Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Believe in Everything Auburn is brought to you by Bet Online. Football is back, and Bet Online is your number one information source for all your sports wagering info with all the up to the minute stats, news, scores, and matchup breakdowns. You can get the latest game odds, spreads, and totals from the NFL and college football at your fingertips with Bet Online's real time updates on statistics, news, and odds. From week one all the way to the college football playoff and Super Bowl, Bet Online gives you access to the best football promotions and contests available anywhere online. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. And remember to use our promo code BELIEVE, that is B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That is Bet Online, where the game starts. Morning, Eagle, everybody. Welcome back. To believe in everything Auburn. Taylor Davis, Jason Campbell, flexing on them once again, ready to talk some Auburn football. We're bringing the energy because the team struggled to do so against Texas A&M this past week. But Jay and I are here to break it all down, but more importantly, get you ready for the Deep South's oldest rivalry happening in Jordan-Hare Stadium this Saturday. Really excited for that matchup. We're also going to catch you up on a few things in and around college football, and we're not going to talk about Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift because I feel like every sports platform that I'm trying to use this week wants to talk about that, and I personally don't. So welcome in, everybody. War Eagle, thanks for joining us as always. Jason Campbell joins us as well a day before he heads down to the Plains for another weekend of some Auburn football. And Jay, obviously a, a disappointing week for the Tigers getting the loss in College Station. But uh, tell us a little bit about the trip. You you spoke highly of, of Kyle Field and their stadium, uh, but not so highly of the weather, which was, I believe, a, a record high of, of an Auburn game. Hello, world. You know, it's your boy, Jay Cam. This past Saturday, I'm in A&M at Kyle Field in College Station. It is 110 degrees index on the football field. Insane. And then 98 degrees, just normal. And I'm sitting up in the box and calling the game and the doors open, the windows are open, and you can just feel the heat. So I could only imagine for the players yeah. that was down on the football field wearing a helmet, shoulder pads, you know, running from sideline to sideline. Like, it just makes you appreciate a lot more the effort that someone like Eugene Asante yeah. shows, you know, the guys that 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 played through a lot of this and 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 tried to go out there and continue to fight to the end. But yeah. it was extremely hot. And if it's something that you're not used to, like it can have a huge effect on you. Right. No, that's a really good point. It definitely, uh, the effort that was showcased by some guys, Eugene certainly being one of them, you also have to bump it up a notch when you realize what they were playing in and what they were dealing with, because I, I did see a lot of reports talking about the heat and, and how brutal it was, even at kickoff. We're not talking just into the second half, you know, but unfortunately it was a loss and it was a loss at the hands of one of the worst offensive games uh, 
that we have seen. And so we just, we can't sugarcoat it. It's part of the storyline. So let's, let's talk about it. Tell us kind of your take on all of it. And then we'll get into how they turn the page and how they prepare to host the reigning national champs. Like I said, one of the worst offensive games, 200 total yards in the 27 to 10 loss at Texas A&M. We did see all three quarterbacks play Peyton Thorne, Robbie Ashford and Holden Gurner who combined for 9 of 23 for 56 yards. Three quarterbacks. That's insane. Uh, we had more yards for penalties than we did for passing, 64 to 56. The only touchdown was a defensive score, Eugene Asante after a Kyan Lee punch out. So we got to talk about this offense, Jay, because I think while you understand the coach's approach to a lot of this. And what Hugh Freeze has insisted on since taking over is that this thing isn't going to be a quick fix as much as we would love it to be. He did not feel like this roster was up to par to really kind of turn the page night to day. Could they make as much possible improvement given, you know, the staff that they had acquired? Yeah. And they felt confident that they would. And to a degree, I think they have. This offense looks so disjointed this week, and I had covered A&M the week before. They had a stout defense, but they certainly had holes. Uh, like, they were not putting any pressure on Tyler Van Dyke the week before. I don't think you you have a completely different defense two weeks later. I think Auburn's offense is that ill-equipped, and I do think that we've known that. We couldn't even generate much offense against Cal. So I, I, I want to get your take on it, not to – not to down anybody, that's not what we're doing, but but through your eyes, where the struggles lie, where the lacking exists, because while I think the offensive line has improved, it's still not what we need it to be. I think the quarterback position is definitely, you know, still a question mark. And it was, I'll be honest, it was a bad day for Peyton. It really was. And I even saw his demeanor on the sideline after he got pulled for Robbie and I didn't love what I saw. The job is not guaranteed to any of them. And the coaches have made that very clear. We are going to put in the guy that gives us the best chance to win. And that wasn't Peyton this week. And while I certainly think the offensive line needs to do him a better service and help him, he was very inaccurate. He was making some poor decisions. It wasn't his day. But you still have a role to play even if you're on the sidelines. So whether it's quarterback, offensive line, play calling, or just team chemistry. Let's talk offense because I, I certainly think you turn the page on a loss, but you got to learn from it when you leave it. Well, you just touched on a lot of key points. Uh, anytime you have more, you know, penalties than you do passing yards, you know, that's a, that's a problem <laughs> within itself. Yeah. Uh, as a whole, and as an analyst, and as a guy that's, that's played that position, Mm -hmm. I think it all started back when the season started. I'm going to be honest with you. I just think the two-quarterback system kind of got into the heads of, of Peyton and, and the Robbie, you know, because mm -hmm. I, I think instead of just going with one guy and saying, hey, you're the guy until you show us you're not the guy, I think that would have been probably a little bit of a better approach in this situation because when you play both guys as much as you did in the first two games, you're not really telling one or the other you're the guy. You know, mm -hmm. they both feel like they're the guy. And – and then one guy can feel like, okay, if I make a mistake, you know, here I come out of the game. And when you have that going on, then it's kind of hard to cut it loose and it's kind of hard to get comfortable and find your rhythm because right. you're so concerned about messing up or you're so concerned about, you know, what the other guy come out here and did. I, I, I'm not going to – I'm going to be honest with you. I think when Robbie scored those three touchdowns against UMass, it put more pressure on Peyton as a quarterback because yeah. – 
you know, he probably felt like, well, Robbie scored three touchdowns. You know, everyone's looking at him with the attention and everything. And here I am, even though I started a game, I still don't feel like I'm the guy, you know, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden you go to Cal and it's like, okay, I got to try to perform at a certain level. And then I start the game off with a turnover, you know, within the first mm-hmm. series. And now all of a sudden things are getting into your head from a quarterback perspective. Anytime things get into a quarterback's head, just look at the pros, look at every level. You see their confidence. They don't. They're not as talkative. They're not as you know communicative with their when they go to the sidelines. Yeah. They don't communicate with their teammates. They don't get involved with you know trying to hey pep guys up. Let's go because something's bothering them. You know mm-hmm. and and they don't feel like okay I'm in the position to go and say something to a teammate or I'm in a position to go over here and 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 I'll say hey guys let's get going when I know I'm not getting it done myself. You know, and right. that's the opposite of how you need to be. Like, you need to be more in- intuitive of going over there and saying, hey, guys, we got to pick it up. It's time to go. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, w- this net series, we got to rev it up another level. Those are the type of conversations that you need to have. You come to the sideline, and you're not seeing that from Peyton because I think a lot of it is in his head where he feels like a lot of people want Robbie over him. Yeah. And, you know, he doesn't feel like he's the guy. And then, plus, let's just be honest, he wasn't here this spring. He got here in the middle of summer, and there's only so much you can do in the summer as far as coaches with players. There's so many hours you're limited to per week. So True. then a lot of this stuff is based on your own of how you get around guys and galvanize guys. But then all of a sudden fall camp start, you're not taking all the reps with the ones. You're splitting reps with Robbie and Holden Garner. Mm-hmm. So it's not like you're just getting a ton of reps with just the ones all the time. And you've already missed four months, five months, because you didn't get here in the springtime. Right. So you're playing catch up the entire time. And even in camp, you're still catching up because you got to take a lot of mental notes because you're not getting all the, the reps because you're splitting that time with the other two guys because it's a competition. So there's a lot of things that, that, that went on. I think that, you know, yes, we can sit here and say, is he missing throws? Absolutely. Is he missing some easy throws? Absolutely. If he's looking at the rush, absolutely. You know, when you watch the film and everything, like there was three plat passes in that game within the first quarter that he could have just hit with ease. It's just a yeah. confidence thing. Just drop back, take your two hit steps, let the ball go. And you, for whatever reason, he got caught with his eyes looking at the rush. And then on a crossing route, he throws the ball over the guy's head. That tells me that's all confidence. Come on, you can't tell me that Peyton Thorne, you watch him throw the ball in pregame and in practice, that he's going to miss a crossing route that easy. And yeah. then to miss Jay Fair on a wheel route that would have been right. a touchdown early in the game. Those are confidence things. So that means you're not confident in what you're doing. Hmm. You're not trusting your feet because either two things, you're not comfortable with the guys up in front of you just yet. Y'all hadn't built that chemistry where you feel like, okay, this is where my protection is. This is where I got to step yeah. up in the pocket. I'm not for sure just yet. Is it that or is it just it's bothering me because I know I can be yanked out the game at any minute. So hmm. There's a lot of things that go through quarterbacks' heads that a lot of people don't understand when you're dealing with these type of situations. So yeah. I think what Auburn needs to do is, hey, go with a guy and say, look, you're our guy unless you prove you're not our guy. I feel like what happened, Taylor, in the early part of the season is we tried to implement the quarterback that they want. You know, And what I mean by that is they want like a you know, uh, a Nick Marshall type guy yeah. that can kind of run in the RPO system and throw in the RPO system. You know, they don't have that as a one right now. So what they're trying to do is, I feel like early in the season, say, okay, Peyton's not the runner. Robbie is. Okay. Take some of Robbie. Yeah. Peyton, Robbie's not the thrower. Peyton, you are. So let's go, Peyton. You throw. So then you get yourself in a situation where you're trying to alternate guys 
in and out of the game because you're trying to implement into that one quarterback that you want. I guarantee right. you if we felt like we had that one quarterback on staff, on the roster, that could run and throw in the RPO system, this would not be happening. So they're trying to implement from what they don't have and trying to get it all into, okay, we can just alternate guys to get it into that one person. And that doesn't work, unfortunately. You know. Yeah, a combo platter. And ultimately, that's why Hugh Freeze was hired. I, I mean, like there is an element of this that's, you know, realistic about you're an offensive guy, you're a quarterback guy. Like that is the element that has to be improved upon. Defense has been stout for a few years now. So that it honestly doesn't surprise me as much. Do you anticipate at any point Hugh Freeze takes over play calling? I don't think so. I just think like right now he looks deflated after the Texas A&M game because like mm -hmm. you just mentioned, he's an offensive guy. You know, yeah. Coach Montgomery's offensive guy. You know, Coach Montgomery's a good offensive guy. He, he you know, he had RG3 as his Heisman Trophy winner when he was at Baylor. You know, so he's going to Tulsa and put up numbers. I think both of them sit in the room. They both probably like, you know, are frustrated with what they're seeing because at the end of the day, Taylor, I watched some of the film. There are guys running open that they dial up on plays. Yeah. And we're just not delivering the football when we're supposed to. And we're not being accurate when we're supposed to. And, yeah. and you know, and it can make it come off to coaches that they don't, they're, they're not putting the kids in the right position and all this type of stuff. That's not the case when I look at the film. You know, like if you hit Jay Fair down the sideline, if you hit, you know, some of the guys over the middle and even the receivers, they got to come up and start making some plays. You right. know, we, we had. You know, on the go ball, you know, Hollywood Hooks is a six-five receiver. He's got to learn, like, hey, don't let the ball come to my shoulder pads. You know, reach up with two hands and go up and attack that football. That's an easy yeah. catch for him, you know, in the touchdown because he is that type of receiver and he can make that play, you know, just – and that shows me that he's not in his comfort zone. Get into yeah. your comfort zone. Go up and attack that football with two hands. That DB is way shorter than you. That's an easy touchdown right. catch for you. And then you look at Camden Brown on a dig route. Early in the game, a huge third down call. <laughs> so is it a call or is it execution? Because if you uh -huh. get there and the ball goes right through your hands and you have it caught, you got to have strong hands, attack that football, and that's an easy first down completion. So totally. there's a lot of things going on other than just a quarterback that people have got to pay attention to, and that holds everybody accountable offense. These guys mm -hmm. have got to start believing in each other, and, and it starts with one word, and the word is trust. I don't need to know what you're doing all the time or see you do it. I just need to trust that you're going to be where you're supposed you to be will. where you're supposed to be. Yeah. And when you can get to that point offensively, that's when things take off. And I feel like that's the reason this team is struggling offensively because everyone's guessing. Receivers guessing right. about where I'm supposed to be. Quarterbacks guessing is he's going to be there when I'm ready to throw the ball and I'm not cutting it loose. And so all of these things factor into – having an explosive offense and all these holding calls offensive line is getting right um, now. You yep. do a really good job in run blocking, but then, and soon then set yourself board, back. We get holding calls to take us out of field goal range with a great kicker in McPherson that we have. So yep. he's not even able to attempt a lot of field goals because of these holding calls. So there's a, a plethora of things that are happening right now offensively. And that just tells me that there's got to be some trust between the guys and they're not trusting each other. Interesting. And look, I can understand that some of that does come with time and a lot of this specifically offensively 
feels like it's being held together with duct tape. Like this was, like you said, Peyton was not there all of spring. A lot of the the newness is bound to show itself when you get into season, given this isn't the recruiting class this coaching staff implemented. This isn't the system that has had a year to get ingrained in these guys' heads. Like they hit the ground running because they had no choice. So I, I can understand some of that, but I, I think you're right. I said I didn't want to talk about Travis Kelsey, but it did make me think about something <laughs> and nothing to do with Taylor Swift, everyone. But after that touchdown, Pat was mic'd up and he was joking on the sidelines saying that Travis never runs the routes that are called. Like he kind of just does his own thing. And Pat said, I knew he wasn't gonna. I knew he wasn't. So I hit him in the middle of the end zone. I knew he was going to be there. It wasn't even called, but those two, like they've built that trust. He can know that this guy is not going to run the route that's called, which for a lot of coaches is a big no-no, but they have so much trust in each other and so much trust in each other's understanding of each other that it works. And obviously that's been built over years, but it's a small example of that element that you're talking about, that trust and that consistency and that belief in the guy next to you is what makes offense specifically click. And I don't see that for anybody, truthfully. And uh, even the run game, which huge blow, Damari Alston left with a dislocated shoulder. He's listed as out quote Mm -hmm. indefinitely. Um, I have been, I don't want to say underwhelmed because I know that there's other stuff associated with it. Jarquez's return has not been the splash that I expected it to be. Now, granted, he doesn't have to be the guy because of the stable that we have. But I I don't find him running with the same intensity. I don't find him being that alpha that it's time for him to be, you know, and I, I... I'm sure there are other things in the background having to deal with the off the field stuff that we probably are not privy to, but if there's a week for him to have that game, it's this week. And I think on the heels of a a lackluster showing at Texas A&M, even for the run game and losing a guy like Damari Alston and Georgia definitely having some, some weaknesses in the run defense. This is the game for Jarquez to be that guy again. And I think he's capable of it but the time of possession in the third quarter was also five minutes and three seconds this defense is gassed like at, at, by the end of these games you can have a stout defense and i believe we do but you are asking for them to start dropping like flies when you've got this situation so even if we are not handle i mean look you want to end up in the end zone you want to end up with points But I'm also just asking you freaking control the clock a little better. Like you can't keep putting this much on the defense. Well, that's an absolutely great point there. You know, you broke that down really well. Uh, When you think about it overall, offensively, like our our thing about offense for us is it's supposed to be tempo, right? You know, so we haven't been really getting able to use our tempo because if you don't pick up positive yards on first down and you losing three or four yards, now you're second and 14, second and 15, it takes you off script. So now yeah. you're not looking at your second and short calls. You're looking at, oh, geez, I go pick up a third down call and, and put it in my second and long call because they yeah. were second and 15. So it's just a lot of a lot of things that you have to do. And that's why I say it's so important when you run the RPO game that you are on schedule offensively yeah. and you have to be on schedule. And and for the most part, we have not when we played against the power five conferences. So you see what we do when we do a Sanford against UMass, sure. how the offense supposed to look, you know, now can we do it against bigger opponents? It's the question mark. So my thing is maybe now, you know, more than ever, 
maybe our coaches just need to scale it back some. Maybe they need to say, hey, mm -hmm. we want to be a high-tempo offense, but right now we're just not fit to be a high-tempo offense. So instead of us going three and out so quickly and putting our defense back out there on the field immediately, if I give them an opportunity to catch a real break, how about we just slow it all the way down? How about yeah. it, we, we may not huddle completely, but we just may do a little small muddle huddle. What I mean mm -hmm. by that is guys kind of come in a little bit, you know, they slow it down on the game clock a little bit, and then you kind of tell the guys what to go do, and then they kind of jog out to their spaces. And yeah. then you kind of just work that clock a little bit, like you were saying, until our offense can pick up a rhythm where you say, okay, now guys are understanding it better. Now guys are trusting each other better. Now we can pick the tempo back up and start to go fast again. Because yeah. you do want to get to that, because especially against a team like Georgia, you know, uh, big defensive line, guys that are big and strong. You want to make them guys run sideline to sideline. And right. you want to go fast. You want to go fast to make them guys get tired. But we can only do that if we start off offensively moving the ball in the right direction and not going backwards. You know, totally. and you, you mentioned Jarquez. I do think a lot of the things that he's gone through this offseason, you know, has kind of plagued him a little bit emotionally right. and physically. Yeah, like you can work out on your own or with a trainer, but it's different when you're not there all summer with your teammates. You're yeah. not there in that classroom with the coaches and going through different things, especially when our whole offensive line is basically new transfer guys, except for the center. I mean, except for right guard, Cam Stutz. So you 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 need that chemistry. You need to be out there in those walkthroughs. You need to be in those little jog throughs that you do in the summertime to, to know where your fits and where your gaps are and how they're blocking certain things versus certain schemes. So I think with Demario Austin, such a blow with him being out yeah. with that shoulder injury, I think it will rely a little bit more on Jarquez to start getting those 15, 16 carries a game that yeah. you probably would have thought he was going to get. But because this group is so good by committee, it's hard to keep those guys off the field. 1,000%. Obviously, with Georgia coming to town, it's very interesting because – I don't think in any other year in the last several, this setup would feel great. But there's some weird sense of optimism that I have with this one. It just is one of those that it feels like we're getting them at the right time and most notably in the right place. There is something to be said about Jordan Hare. And I don't believe that Georgia has really been tested. We have. And we failed the test, but nonetheless, we were tested and we learned from it. I mean, I guess you look at South Carolina for Georgia, but a road environment, a road test for Carson Beck, who is assuming the quarterback role now, and definitely still some areas that this team is trying to work out, hence all of their slow starts. So I definitely think this one could be more compelling than a lot of people are anticipating, but it is so imperative that some of those offensive woes get cleaned up. And I don't know how realistic it is to think that they can change that much that quickly, but let's talk a little bit about it. Obviously Georgia has the nation's longest current win streak dating back to December, 2021. They are favored by 14 and a half points. They have won the last six straight of these matchups, nine of the last 10. The reality is 
Georgia has had Auburn's number even more than Alabama has. That has just become a much more lopsided rivalry, which is disappointing. And they certainly have star power. I think Brock Bowers is one of the best athletes in the country. Like he is fantastic for them. And he has become that reliable, trustworthy presence for them wherever the frick he is on the field. He leads in receptions, receiving yards, and touchdowns. So he is the security blanket for Carson Beck, who obviously is now in this role, taking over for Stetson Bennett. And Tyke Smith for them leads on defense with a team high 15 tackles and three interceptions. They still are Georgia. I'm not saying they're having a down year. I'm not saying that they're not as good as people say. They're still Georgia. But they're not last year's Georgia. And they're not two years ago Georgia. And they're not in Athens. They're in Auburn. So talk to me a little bit about this matchup. What will be the keys for Auburn? Because at the end of the day, it is a team that has had our number. But this just feels like one of those that you could get caught slipping. Ooh, uh, I say I say this, man. Uh, Deep South's oldest rivalry. This is a great game for Auburn to rewrite the ship in a lot of ways. Yeah. One, change the narrative about the program. But also, confidence. Man, like this game is one off energy and momentum. You can throw the record books out the door. You can throw number one, all this, whatever out the door. This game is going to be one on your approach to the game. If you come out with your hair on fire and you play lights out football and you play for each other and you bring the noise, you can beat this football team. But if you come mm-hmm. out like you did in the second half against Texas A&M, you would not beat this football team. So my thing is they got a young quarterback that's coming in. He hasn't played a real road test just yet. This is going to be loud. It's going to be a different animal that he's going up against. Mm -hmm. And he's going up against a really good defense with the crowd noise behind him. That, to me, gives us 10 points, you know, just because of the crowd noise alone. So I really think that if we can come out and start fast and get him uncomfortable in the pocket and get that crowd noise where it affects him for four full quarters, that helps offensively if we can come out and just don't turn the ball over it's okay to punt in this game if you have to like it's okay just come away with the football but Mm -hmm. if we can come out there and just hit the easy passes i ain't even talking about like the ones you got to hit down the field just the crossing routes the digs the (laughs) the curls you know like just hit those easy ones and stay and keep the offense on schedule stay out of Mm -hmm. second and long stay out of third and long if you can do those things and get to third and shorts where that way the RPO game now comes into effect because the quarterback has an option of keeping it or he has an option of pulling it and throwing a, sh- a shorter route or yeah. we have an opportunity of handing it off and running it. Now you have all three options at your disposal. But when you're third and six or more, you don't. There's no – there's no right. – you're going to run the football. So the team is just going to peel their ears back and blitz you and come after you because they know you're going to throw the football. So yeah. get into those situations where you put pressure on their defense to have to play the guessing game. We haven't been able to do that to a power five opponent yet this year. And this is the right. game we're going to have to do that. So if you can do those things and you can come out and play for each other and you can show me that football is about 90 percent how you respond, 10 percent what happened to you. If you can show everybody that 10 percent of what happened in the second half last week against A&M is y'all learn from it because that's how you know a football team that's maturing and you come out this week and you show a great effort and you play lights out for each other and you trust each other. You win this game. 
the whole narrative starts to change around the program. We're going to have all kind of recruits at this game. The yeah. most five-star, four-star, whatever you want to call it, has been in any game in the last five years at Auburn. They're going mm -hmm. to be here. So you have the audience that you want. You have right. the national TV that you want. You have an opportunity to upset the number one team that's won 21 straight games in a row. So if that don't make your hair stand up on your skin and you want to get out there and play and go win a game, then you're in the wrong place. You shouldn't totally. put that AU helmet on the side of your head. So totally. this is a game you come out and, and, and fight for each other and play. <laughs> you're getting me ready to run through a brick wall, Jason Campbell. That's what you do. Um, no, you're right. I mean, this one... People may think we're crazy, but I just, I do feel like it's ours for the taking. It just has that weird feeling about it, whether it's the timing, the way the schedules have lined up, the fact that it's at home, heck, maybe the fact that it's on the heels of a loss. Sometimes that look, when you look at this, the SEC teams that have been upset thus far, LSU in week one, Texas A&M in week two, I guess a little bit of Alabama, they've come back way better. They've come back swinging. It honestly like seemed to have woken people up, pissed them off. Like we've talked about, it does feel like the SEC got into a bit of a complacent headspace. And I think that's been exploited to start the season so far. So maybe it's the very thing that shakes Auburn a little bit. You at least hope that we have, we have gotten those kinds of competitive guys that they are so eager to write this thing and they do it on the field. It will be interesting how the coaches handle the quarterback situation because I actually do think Robbie could have success in this game against Georgia and kind of keeping them, their defense on their heels a little bit. The thing with Georgia's defense, they're very good against one-dimensional offenses. Like if they know you can't pass, they are going to do everything, stuff the box and stop the run and vice versa. If, if you're not a strong run team, but you've got explosive passability, their secondary is fast and agile and they're going to make you pay in that way unless you've got big height on the perimeter, which we have a little bit with Rivaldo Fairweather, but I definitely think that's going to be a, a focus of recruiting moving forward is some size targets back there. Hugh Freeze keeps mentioning that he wishes Jay Fair was taller. <laughs> but um, if we could find any sort of balance in this one, I actually think it sets Robbie up really well. But I don't know that they would fully go with Robbie. I just don't think that we deviate fully from the two quarterbacks this week because I do see holes in Georgia's defense that Robbie could fill. Well, anytime that Auburn has ever played against a Kirby Smart defense, whether he was at Alabama or whether he was at, you know, at Georgia, you've always had success when you had a mobile quarterback. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the one thing that deviates their defenses is because they're so mindset on being where you're supposed to be, being your gaps, staying home. But when you got a guy that kind of can improvise and make things happen and he's fast, it affects your defense uh -huh. because now – guys have to become i don't know if i can catch him if he gets out in front of me so i'm a he's like another back you know so exactly so this may be a game where you still see i don't think you i think you still see both guys i just don't think you see it as in and out as it was in the cow game there are certain situations that you have to have him in the game you know if he's not going to be your starter there are certain situations you have to have it now if he's your starter then you're going to have to roll with him and trust him to throw the ball too. You got to let him air the ball out, you know, to yeah. see if he's learned how to throw the ball, see if he's, you know, if he can get into a rhythm or a flow, he can't just be out there handing it off or running it. So if you're going to go with Robbie this week full term, then you have to go with the whole playbook.
You know, you, yeah. you have to give him the whole playbook. If you want to go with Holden, I mean, Holden, if you want to go with uh, Thorne, then you have to give him the whole playbook. So yeah. whoever they choose to go with this week, they're going to have to give him the whole playbook. But everybody yeah. got to step up this game, though. Like, 100%. Everybody got to step up. Like, receivers, offensive line, everybody has got to step up this game. Like, it's not on just a quarterback. It's not on just uh, – you know, the defense, this game is going – this game will be won the way the South Carolina came out in the first half against Georgia and Athens. For yep. whatever reason, they lost that in the second half. And you put that time of team in Jordan Hare. If we jump on them like that in Jordan Hare, and now you got a young quarterback staring down the 90,000 orange fans in the stands, <laughs> you know, all orange we're going with on oh. Saturday. And you're seeing all of that, and it's getting loud, and it's getting – you know, the DJ is cranking up the thing and, you know, like it's a different, it's a different animal. Like it's just hard to win in Auburn when it is loud. It's and true. The whole fan base is there and the fan base wants something to hold on to. Uh-huh. They are just ready to erupt with something. I know. We haven't had a huge win in three years, like over <laughs> a big opponent. Yeah. We need this win over a ranked opponent, top ranked opponent in our stadium to just let this crowd erupt and feel like feel like Auburn again. I agree. Any fans listening that are going to the game, you better go nuts. Do whatever you got to do. Chug some Red Bull, have a few mimosas, whatever you got to do. The energy has to be off the charts. The noise has to be off the charts. You have a part to play in this, okay? We all do. So let's level it up. What I would give to be there, and we're you have orange. no idea. And we're orange. I didn't know it was an orange game. but yeah, it's an orange game. Um, yeah, what I would give to be at that game. Holy cow. It's um, birthday. She's missing it. I know it is my birthday on Saturday and I would love nothing more than an Auburn win for my birthday. That's my request. Um, but anyway, it will certainly be uh, an exciting one down on the plains. Looking forward to all of the action coming out of it. And uh, hopefully the tables turn. That's all you can hope for out of last week. Cause that wasn't it. All right. So, but it wasn't it for uh, a few teams also across college football. Okay. So I'll, I'll get Jay's input on a few of these so far before we close out. Uh, the always exciting Alabama Ole Miss matchup, unfortunately, <laughs> Lane's get your popcorn still didn't work. So uh, Bama beats Ole Miss. LSU narrowly defeated Arkansas in a game that is just bound and determined to be chaotic every year. Yeah. Unfortunately for Notre Dame fans, <laughs> oh my goodness, losing oh. to Ohio State as the clock ran out on the goal line with ten guys on the field. I mean, guys, our our loss sucked, but like that's brutal. Yeah, like if you're gonna lose a game. The way we you lost, you'd be like, okay, everybody can look at each other and say, we got to do better. We got to play better. We gotta, you lose yeah. the way that Notre Dame lost to Ohio State, like on the one-yard line, back-to-back plays that you only have 10 players on defense. The story, the year was there for Notre Dame when they got mm. Sam Hartman. Sam Hartman is an incredible quarterback, and that yeah. win was literally in their hands. It was right there, and then poof. Away it went. That was heartbreaking. And uh, Colorado also got their tails handed to them by Oregon at the hands of Bo Nix, a former uh, Auburn quarterback who, look, I the Bo situation 
was a lot like the Gus situation where like there were so many good times. And I actually think very highly of both of them. But it got to the point where it just was no longer a working relationship, you know, and changes needed to be implemented. But you don't have any ill will. I didn't want bad things for either of them in their next endeavor. I think Bo found himself the perfect situation. I think him and Dan are such a good duo. I think playing in the Pac-12 has allowed him to be a little more mentally free. He's developed great rapport and he's able to really shine. I just think this way. I think for Bo is when he played at Auburn, his dad played here, you know, right. so there was this pressure of, mm-hmm. you know, next generation coming to Auburn and I got to do this and do that. And plus, you know, at that point in time, you know, the offense was kind of stagnant, you know, and he got thrust in there as a true freshman and everything. And, you know, against some of the bigger opponents, it, you know, it was tough for him, but I think everything he learned from Auburn, he took to Oregon. Totally. And once he got to Oregon, he doesn't face any type of defense at Oregon like he's seen in the SEC. So well, to him, Georgia, and you saw how that went. Yeah, you saw how that went. But you see, but he's <laughs> playing against he's playing against defenses that there's nothing he hasn't seen. You mm-hmm. know, like he's seen way tougher defenses when he was in the SEC. So he's he's almost like man amongst boys in that conference when it comes to playing against Pac-12 uh-huh. defenses and his understanding of the game. Because as you grow as a quarterback you mentally get smarter too. And I think he's gotten a lot smarter mentally playing the quarterback position where now he sees a lot of different things. He can get you out of bad running plays. He can get you out of bad pass plays, get you to the right checks because he's advanced. And it doesn't hurt that he's a five-year starter. You know, he's a That's what I was about to say. He is a man amongst boys because he's he's been playing for eight years. Right. He's a five-year starter. So, (laughs) you know, that helps in a lot of ways as well. So, you know, he is having great success. Now, when it comes to Colorado, you know, I think they ran up against someone because they learned that they're not no they're no longer the hunter. Now people are hunting them because let's be honest, we got these young people. When you got people, when you're receiving a lot of attention, what what happens? You know, other people feel left out and they want some of that same attention. And sometimes yeah. you bring a lot of that attention on yourself, you know, by by what you do and what you say. But then you also have to understand that if you're going to be willing to do that 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 means more teams are going to aim for you and they're going to come for you. So you got to be ready and be prepared that you're going to get every team's best shot. And I think they learn, like they walked in there like, okay, this is a different, a different animal than some of the other guys we played. And at the same time, like, man, people are hunting for us. The first couple of games we were hunting for them because we was trying to build this resume, but then now people are coming for us because why? They want to steal our shine. That's what we always right. say in the hood. They want to steal your shine. So you got to be equipped and, and, and prepared to know like, hey, some things are left better not say it. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And just kind of let your play do the talking for you because that way you can kind of That's go not their there. tactic. Yeah, it's not their tactic. <laughs> and also like, you know, I think they use that. Some people use that as motivation. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. some people feel like they have to like, you know, I got to kind of say something to you a little bit to kind of motivate myself. Like if you look at some of the great players, you know, like great boxers or anything, Muhammad Ali, Muhammad Ali will always try to find something that someone said to motivate himself to get you ready to play. What happened MJ. to Colorado? Right, MJ. And Gracious. you saw in his thing, his episode, how he remembers everything personally. in the past. <laughs> so think about it. Dion's first three games at Colorado, all three coaches had said something about him. 
That's or his true. team. And he knew how to use that to motivate his players to go out there and play to win. At that point in time, when they got ready to play Oregon, it was quiet for most of that week. Dan Landon did some talking, but that was mostly a pregame. It wasn't on Sunday before they got ready to play them. Like this week, I hope Georgia comes out and say something like, this ain't the same (laughs) Auburn of old or something, or just say something that we can just use because it's just something about it, man, that you can just use and you get that to a bunch of young men and it gets into their skin and they just want to come out and prove you wrong. Man, this is a game for Auburn. I hope that they can find something, you know, to just go out there with their backs against the wall and pick it personal against Georgia. Yeah, that's going to do it for us. So we will be back next week, as always, to break down all the action. Hopefully it's national news that Georgia has been defeated. Uh, But regardless, Jay and I will be back to break down all the action next week. So make sure you follow along. Jay, have a great call, as always. And uh, look forward to breaking it down with you next week. Have a good week, everybody. Subscribe if you have not already. You know the drill. War Eagle. But subscribe and then share it with your friends. And, and that. And, and tell everybody. Let everybody get involved. Our audience is growing, but it can grow even more by word of mouth. So Always. we appreciate your support. So continue to support our podcast. And the more, the merrier. The more, the merrier. I love that. Peace. Peace. War Eagle. My Band-Aid's been making an appearance. <laughs> I forgot to take it off. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.